Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. As always, I'm your host, Mike Murray. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce you all to my longtime friend, colleague, and mentor in many ways, Carly Fierro. And Carly, I have known you probably for about 20 years. And At least. <laughs> my first zone trip as a coach, you were one of the coaches. And I remember watching you take some athletes through the warm-up. And I was just so impressed with the command that you had, the uh, intentional ideas that you were putting into even the warmups. And it's, it's been a joy and, and my great pleasure to know you over the past 20 years. How was your summer this summer? Oh, it was, it was pretty exciting. Uh, it was thrilling to go to trials again. Um, such a great experience. You've learned so much by watching and seeing how other folks do things. So um, I think the most exciting thing that happened to me was um, I was warming up Claire and um, Eddie Reese, who I'm a really huge fan of, you know, comes up to me and he says, uh, now that's a stroke I'm talking about, you know, like, and uh, that's a beautiful stroke there. And uh, to me, you know, when somebody great like Eddie Reese looks at your athlete and says, she has a terrific stroke or compliments you, I don't go to trials looking for compliments. It's, I'm like in such awe of what everybody has done. Um, you know, I'm just thrilled to be there. And um, so to have somebody who has so much experience come up to you and say, you know, that's a good looking stroke, then I know I'm doing my job. and. You know, and to have a good stroke, like you can have a pretty stroke and it's not productive. Like I've seen a lot of that where they look really pretty on the surface, but there's no movement. But I think, you know, to have somebody like Eddie come up to you, um, all the coaches there were amazing. Um, if I asked a question, they were very forthcoming. And, and that's what's great about the swimming community that, um, you know, everybody's really open and honest, and they try to help each other out, which is kind of cool. Carly, throughout the years, you've won numerous awards for age group coaching. You coached at Badger Swim Club for a very long time, a club that you grew up on, and then you started your own club and had instantaneous overnight success. One of the things I think that you are most well known for is really developing a great philosophy that's always evolving with stroke technique, stroke mechanics. You're very passionate about teaching your athletes stroke technique, stroke mechanics, and doing it in a way that age groupers and young senior swimmers seem to really understand and put in practice. So where does that start within your program? I mean, at the very early level. So what I do now is, um... Now that we're back because of COVID, you know, of COVID now my, you know, we're back to having a nice size uh, developmental group. And um, I'm beginning to work again with stroke development. So I'm working with the stroke development group. And um, it's really interesting having not worked with them in a while. Now stroke development is level, you know, they could do freestyle and backstroke, that's it. Um, you know, and their skills are, are somewhat weak. Um, and the interesting thing is um, how they need structure. So I was thinking about, you know, what I was going to talk about today while I was painting my bedroom. And I said, uh, 
you know, I think what's really critical for children, especially, and I think if you've seen me at zones, the first thing I do is set boundaries and what the rules are and how you're supposed to set up a workout. And when you have a whole bunch of new children coming together, everybody's really excited and there's a lot of excitement. And then what you have to do is sort of, you know, give them some, some balance. Number one for safety, number two, so that they they feel safe and they know what to do when they get there, and number three uh, that they understand what you're saying. So we coach with headsets. Um, every child has a headset. I have a microphone, and um, the first thing I I always do with with you know the little ones especially is they climb out every lap. Every lap they climb out. There's nobody in the water. There's nobody splashing around. There's nobody submerged. And um, just the basics, kicking. Kicking is critical for the younger kids. Make sure that they kick, um, building their kick, build, building their technique. But like the basic things like, all right, we're gonna line up, all right, number ones. You're gonna sit down, you're gonna slide in. One hand on the wall, one hand on the kickboard. Okay, you're gonna push off both hands on the kickboard and you're gonna kick. Next person, sit down, <laughs> slide in. One hand on the wall. You know, one hand on the kickboard, push off, go. Next person, sit down, slide in, so that they build a routine. You know, and if you if you teach uh, children the the uh, skills in the same manner, where you know, leg straight, point your toes, demonstrate the proper way to kick, and it's all muscle memory. So now I'm on my third week of programming. The kids get in, they know exactly what to do. Sit down one hand on the wall, you know, so I don't have little Johnny, you know, playing Little Mermaid underwater, you know, and I'm not pulling kids up. And the other thing I like about pulling younger kids out and having them climb out is they're rested. They're not tired because they're out. It gets them a little bit stronger. They're rested, but then they can hear what you're saying and you can kind of do demonstrations. But when you have like four or five kids, you know, somewhat spaced out by the wall, you know, they're distracted, they're splashing, they're underwater, they're submerged. So um, that's what I've been doing in just the basics, like catch up with the kickboard and uh, proper rhythmic breathing and proper hand placement. And I think with younger kids, um, knowing where their, their hands go in in, in uh, relationship to their body I is love really that. important. It's really interesting that you actually pull the athletes out after every 25 that they complete so that you're doing a lot of teaching, fair to say? Yeah. So, you know, we don't do that at, um, we, the, the stroke development and Cubs is our, Cubs is our younger group, are the only two groups that use kickboards. After that, um, we, we use snorkels and they use, they, they do not kick with a board. But I feel like with the, with the stroke development, the board kind of builds core muscles, you know, so that they can get their body in a line. I think the hardest thing is teaching swimmers at a really young age to uh, make their body straight, you know, and is my body straight and how the head affects the movement of the body. So um, if your head moves, your body moves. So kind of basic things that I teach preseason or this season, keeping your head still, um, not a lot of movement with your body and knowing where your, your, your hands and your legs are in relationship to your body where do you want your hands to go in? All right, you want your arm to go in straight above your head. You know, you want your arm next to your ear. Um, 
I always say paint the bottom of the pool with your fingertips like you have rainbow magic markers and just paint the bottom of the pool like anything backstroke reach for the stars put them in your back pocket you know anything that's going to get them to you want to make a connection and if you use super big words they're not going to understand what you're saying you know what I mean but if you say I want you to pull straight down fingertips pointing down but you say, look, you have rainbow magic markers on your fingertips. You're going to paint the bottom of the pool with your rainbow magic markers. You know, back choke, you're going to reach all, reach all the way up for the stars. You want your arm to go in next year. Show me like you raise your hand in school, you know, and then, you know, little things like that to make a connection so that they understand, um, you know, and then, then it progresses from there. So our team has multiple different levels that I developed over the years. So Cubs is our introductory level like eight and unders they come like once a week i i really believe in progression that's one of the things that i have deviated from um when i was with you know other programs is more is just more you know when kids do a lot it's just a lot and a lot of nothing is nothing so it's better for kids to have more quality of something than a lot of nothing you know, and, and so like when you, but unfortunately you're competing against programs and it becomes like, a, you know, daycare, you know. So uh, let's say our, our program, um, you know, the eight and unders go a half hour, 45 minutes or an hour. You have programs that eight and unders are going like five days a week for two hours. And then, you, yeah. And, and then you say, well, I'm getting this for this amount of money and this for that. I'm like, but it's not about that. It's about the quality of the program, because with younger kids, less is more. And I think that- I, I really think that that last two minutes is one of the most important educational lessons that age group coaches can learn. Here are the highlights that I picked out of that that you said. Using basic language, making connections, describing drills in a way that's relatable to, to that age group keeping practice under an hour for the eight and unders. Absolutely. Critical pieces of information for programs, right? Right. I mean, even if you look at an athlete like Kate Douglas, who played soccer until she was 13, 14, you know, and a kid who, who swam three, four days a week. And, um, but uh, really enjoyed perfecting her technique. You know, and really, if I said, all right, we're going to try to do this in six pulls, she would do it in five. You know, she really took time in, in making sure. Same thing with Claire. Like, they really take time to make sure they're doing things correctly. But I also <clears throat> explain it to them that way. So, in other words, I explain to them, it's not important how many laps you do. It's important in how well you do your laps. Let's say you take a math test. And they're like, yeah, and I'm like, let's say, you know, you're the first one to hand it in, but everything's wrong. And they're like, yeah, that's not really great. And I'm like, well, that's what it's like when you train wrong. So, you know, you're the first one to the wall, but everything you did, you managed to do wrong. So let's slow it down and be the first one or the second one or the third one, or maybe the fourth one to the wall, but everything you do is perfect. So what I try to do is um, really praise those who work on their technique. 
Charlie, I, yeah. I do want to talk about <clears throat> Kate Douglas today. You know, one thing comes to mind, 2014, Michaela and I are walking out of the pool at Minnesota, and <laughs> right behind us is uh, Carly and a very young Kate Douglas. And uh, as the kids walked away, I kind of said to you, you know, th this girl seems like she's going to have a meteoric rise. And you looked me right in the eye and you said, Mike, she's the real deal. And here we are seven years later and she's in Tokyo swimming for the United States. What does that feel like? Uh, you know, I have to tell you, um, the Douglases were fantastic for me because, you know, my son had passed away and that year was her first trials, you know, and it was, you know, they, if it wasn't for them, like, and my family, of course, but they kind of helped me get through that very difficult period with, with my relationship with Kate and my relationship with Mrs. Douglas and her family were, um, they were always really incredibly appreciative of everything that I did for Kate. Um, uh, and when it was time for Kate, uh, Kate wanted to be with other ch children her age. She wanted to, to experience what it was gonna be in the senior team. And, um, you know, Mrs. Douglas was fantastic. She sat down with me, uh, her and her husband, they were very classy. Um, they let me know how important I was to Kate and Kate's career. And we maintained a close friendship throughout the time that Kate was progressing. So, um, of course, it's really difficult to lose an athlete, you know, but it's more difficult to lose a child. So, you know, you're always going to see this athlete again, and you know what you did for the athlete. And I think that's super important that as a coach, you know what you did for this athlete. And it's not about your ride. It's about the athlete's ride. And I knew that Kate had all the right stuff. It was a matter of her getting to the right place so that she can, you know, attain the ultimate goal, which is to go to the Olympics and get a medal. But it's really important for coaches um, when, when athletes progress or move on that you're going to see the athlete again. And that athlete is always going to know in their heart what you did for them. And that relationship is never going to make it bad. You know, you can decide how are you going to help towards this athlete as they move on? Are you going to be a positive part of their life or are you going to be a negative part of your life? When I was at um, trials, I had sent Kate, uh, the first time I had seen Kate since, uh, you know, when she was at UVA, um, I saw her kicking and I was warming up some of my girls and I was, hey, Kate, she gave me a big smile and I was like, all right, we're good. You know, like I knew, like we were good. You know, and I got like, she has this great smile. I'm like, all right, we're good. And she came over and chatted with me. And I said, UVA was doing a fantastic job with her. And I just felt wonderful. You know, I, I didn't need to be a part of that process. You know, I was already part of an important process in her life. You know, I can't be everything for her. And you can't be everything for your athlete. And then the men um, at trials, they saw she was super nervous. So I sent her a text, dress up like a penguin, and, um, and dance with the girls with this song. And I sent her this song, uh, text with a short clip of the video. I told her how proud I was of her. And every time before she swam, I'd always say, have fun. Like, that was our thing. Just go and have fun. 
you know, so, and that's what I did. And she put a little heart, that's all I needed. She put a little heart next to the text. And when um, she plays, when she made the team, I was crying. I thank God for the mask. Um, I felt so much emotion because, you know, my dad had given me everything he had financially to support me to start my team go on like that solely came from me um i i felt the, the spirit of my son i felt everything all the emotions i just sat there and coach was like you need to go up and congratulate her i said no <laughs> you know this is kate's moment this is uva's moment and i will find a time to go and speak with her but right now this is about her it's not about me you know and then i went down and it, it so happened that she was coming down the hallway and i was able to give her a hug which was, you know, that's all I needed, you know? So Mrs. Douglas called me a few weeks back and she had a box of Olympic swag that um, she wanted to donate to the team because she knew that um, I do these meets where the kids get prizes. So our first meet is going to be, uh, we're gonna magic heats where we're gonna song and that heat, the winner will get to poop uh, pick from Kate's box of, you know, swag that she donated to the team. So, um, you know, I, like when you work with an ath athlete for so long, you know what your relationship is with the athlete and no other coach or parent or anybody can interfere with your relationship and what you've done for that athlete. And I think that's like really important for, especially if you're an age group coach to know you can't be everything for the athlete. And um, you want to, you know, you want what's best for them it's about their journey. Uh, I'll tell you, Carly, uh, when, when she made the team, I immediately thought of you and, and I got a little emotional because it was this great validation of how hard you work and, and how much you put into the athletes. You know, I have, um, I have a clip here and maybe you can talk us through some of this uh, stroke progression that you shared with us. Okay, go ahead. So I'm gonna, re I'm gonna rewind it to here. And, and you can see that Carly does use uh, the communication system with her athletes. Which one do you use, Carly? Um, I, I just buy one from China. I have a connection, her name is Siri, and Sarah. And And I just keep them in my, you know, every every swimmer, it's part of, uh, when they join the team, it's part of the team fee. Okay. And they, every athlete gets their own headset. And then they decorate them with different duct tape and everything, and it's kind of fun. All right, so maybe you can talk us through what you're doing here. We're gonna go okay. perfect freestyle. You want the water line in the middle of the top of your head? All right. Hands in front, you're going to pull, push, drop your hip down, elbow comes up, slide your hands in, I want distance for push, how far can you go every time you push, top arm is reaching, bottom arm is pushing, with a fast kick, ready? So basically, this is part of my warm-up, so every, every day we do 30 to 40 minutes of drills, based on the length of the workout. And um, that's just part of the process. So, um, you know, they get in, they do a 300. 
And then we go right into drills. So um, I was really fortunate at USA Swimming. I got to work with Russell Mark very early in my career as I started my team. And um, I was able to get amazing ideas from him. And I'm a visual person. So um, I applied, like, how can you get them to swim faster? Um, how do you get them? Everything is muscle memory. So for kicking, you have to make your body super light on top of the water. Let the water do the work. So everybody's center of gravity is different. And everybody's body type is different. But when you're kicking on a board, it, there's all this pressure on your shoulders. Your, your hips are lower, you know? So, you know, when you actually uh, swim and you're actually swimming, the first thing you really need to do is teach kids how to kick and how to float on top of the water. I think like that that's the number one thing um, is to teach athletes how to be light on top of the water, I think, um, and not sink and actually have movement with their kick. And so I know I sent you a kicking uh, clip. And basically the first thing we do is we do kicking, making sure they're nice and light on top of the water. Then we do a drill called hands under, which uh, is kind of like doggy paddle and they reach for six and uh, their hip is down. It's just distance per pole, trying to make one lap in six poles. And then uh, we'll go to uh, kicking for six, pull your body forward, drop your hip down, elbow comes up, and then you're gonna paint for three. And then I did a new one this year, is called um, reach for four, and then geek, I call it because you look like a geek, touch your head for three, and reach for four. And all of these drills uh, build the core of the body. So in order to do these drills, you have, you have to be kind of strong in the middle of your body to be able to do them. And so you're building a lot of essential muscles that are teaching the athlete proper rotation in the water, you know, being able to kick on their side. Head position is really important. You want the water line in the middle of the top of the head. Um, you want the hands to start in front of their shoulders. They're going to press inside their chest. They're going to push through their hips. At the end of the pull, you want them reaching forward and making that, that transition. So um, it's really connecting the hips and the hands, which is, is I think, really critical in having really good technique. I mean, even if you look at, um, you know, Kate, when she set her national age group record, it was like, her, her strokes per lap were just ridiculous. It's just, how, how can you be efficient? And the only way you could really be efficient is to slow the stroke down because that's the only way an athlete can feel their speed in the water. So as long as the athlete is rushing their stroke, they're never feeling the actual movement that they're, they're, they're capable of doing. So even now I've, I've taken another level in uh, breaststroke and butterfly I actually sweep, drop their elbows. They're gonna sweep, strong elbows reach. And now we're actually making them, I'm making them glide for four. So they actually have to keep their, you know, and breaststroke a lot of pulls, fast pulling up. I'm making them drive for four because there's a whole world of water above your head. And that, so many athletes miss all that water above their head. So for butterfly pull, pull down, push back, arm straight. And then I make them, they have to count to four before they can pull again. And it really gets them to learn 
arms straight, their chest goes under, they have like a little glide at the top of their pole. And so it's just something every year I try to be a little bit more creative. So I'm a continual learner, I guess. And um, just lots of kicking. I think kicking super important and movement on the kick, like breaststroke. Uh, if we do breaststroke kick, gliding for six, hands in front, gliding for six, hands at your side. If, if, if age group kids are always kicking, they can't feel the power of their kick because they're always moving. But when you slow down the kick, they can actually feel, wow, I'm actually pushing this water. But if you're always kicking, pulling, you can't feel the strength of your pull and you can't control the pull. So that's the whole philosophy and slowing everything down. Probably every time I feel like I'm making progress as a coach teaching these and I talk to you, I, I, I'm not even close. I mean, if you want to get humble, coaches out there who listen to Coach's Corner regularly, talk to Carly about teaching Abe Cooper's technique because I just learned so much in the last two minutes. Carly, you want to walk us through this video here? I'm not sure which one this is, but I'm going to put Okay. It. And what we're going to be working on is distance per pull. If you can slow your stroke down and control the water, you'll be able to control your speed. Ready, go. So they're recovering underwater. All right, go right into kicking for six, pain for three. It, for me as a coach or for the swimmer kicking as for a swimmer, six, pain to, for three. to just do laps. What's hard is to slow it down and to do it correctly. You know, that's what's super hard. And then if you look here, there's clear like right in the middle. And she does a super Our really good job in that under you know but it's it, i think the the other thing that's that's really important for coaches is you have to develop your own style you know and you can't you can get a workout you can take one of my workouts or i could take somebody else's workout but you're not that person you're not the person who wrote the workout and you have to kind of make that workout your workout and 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 explaining things uh the the swimmers nowadays lots of them need explanation why are we doing this why why am i making you do this because of this let's say you know if you want to just use it throw it out there if you want to break two minutes in the 200 free and we're doing 50s on 45 or 40 You've got to come in. You got to take whatever time you want to do in the 200, divide it by four. That's what you have to try to hold. Everything is muscle memory. The numbers don't lie. So if you want to go two minutes and then do free and you're coming in 35, it's not going to happen. You know, and make, teaching them how to connect their training to what they want to do as a, in performance. And the same thing. Um, you know, applies with, with the younger kids, um, you know, praising it when they don't swim fast, but praising it when they do it correctly. 
And like, isn't that beautiful? Like, you know, I've had kids come from programs and they've been like, <laughs> I don't know where they came from, but you know, um, do it correctly and tell them they were brilliant. That's really cool. Like the kids look at me and like, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's like, how did that feel? Like the other thing that's, that's really helpful is ask them, how did that feel? That felt great. Oh my God. I, I feel my stroke feels so much better. That's how you get them to buy into it. Not that you're convincing him that it feels better, but they can actually feel themselves improve by focusing on their technique and making that connection and praising when they do that, that technique super well. Um, Let's take a look at this one too, Carly, because what, what you're saying, you know, taking the time to slow down and do it right. That's what I see in these videos. I'm going to play this clip and then you can give an explanation. So you're going to go two laps, perfect freestyle. I want 12 strokes per lap or less. If you could control the water and your movement in the water, you could control your speed. Ready, go. So this, this clip right here is really more about coaching language. And the yes. way you are telling your athletes to learn to control the water. Now, what age group is that that we're looking at there? That's like a mixed group because I was during COVID. So we had some 10s, 11s, some older kids. Now, um, what I'm finding interesting this year is I picked up a bunch of older boys, which is kind of cool. And you know, I coached high school from 1984 to 2010. So I coached girls and boys high school. And what I'm finding with these swimmers that I'm picking up who are older, they're still swimming like they were 10. <laughs> and their stroke is really super short. And, um, and just to let them understand, you know, now you're six one and you have really long arms and you really need to extend your arms. And that's one of the reasons why I like the geek drill because their hand is here. Now you're gonna reach in front of your head. So you know where your hand is in relationship to your head because they don't realize that they're swimming like this, you know, because nobody ever, when an athlete gets pretty good, a lot of coaches stop doing technique. And I think like one of the critical things that I did with Kate and with Claire is when they had their growth spurt, doing a lot of technique as the athlete is growing is super important because um, they have to get used to their new body. And for boys, especially if they're, they're, they're six, one, six, two, and they were five, six, you know, a year ago, um, they're gonna still swim like they're five, six. So you have to teach them to use their longer limbs. So, and, and where their hands are in relationship to their body and how to be more efficient so that, you know, they can use what God has given them. They've given them long arms and you're coming in really short and you're not extending and things like that. And for girls, um, their bodies change and sometimes not necessarily for the better. Um, you know, especially um, girl breast chokers and things like that, because you're nice and light at 12, your hips haven't shifted yet. And you're, you know, you haven't gone into adolescence. And when boys go into adolescence, they grow, it's all good. You know, when girls go through adolescence, unless they grow, it's not so good. 
So um, teaching the girls, especially to be more efficient at 13, 14, 15 during those critical times is so important because hard, I didn't grow, you know, what do you do? You know, you, God gives you one body, you gotta do the best with what you have. So um, that's why technique is so beneficial across the board. You know, it helps everyone. It doesn't just help the, the, the athlete who has grown a lot, but it also helps the athlete who is struggling. So, um, and, and you know, not everybody's gonna be an Olympian. And, um, you know, but the, but the skills that you can teach our children to, to, to take steps to achieve a goal. How do you want to swim well? The first thing you have to do is you have the next thing you have to do. These are all steps to attain a goal. So whether you're the best swimmer in the world or whether you're the best swimmer in Westchester or whether you're the best swimmer on the team, these are all skills that help them be productive people. So you have to keep that in mind when you're working with the athlete because you want to give them a whole life approach of, of you know, what do you want to do as an athlete? What do you want to give your swimmers as a coach? You know, like those things are all super important. And, and, and also like, you know, I don't want swimmers on my team to be the best at 16 and then they're done. Then they get depressed then they get upset. And then, you know, and what's really a lot of pressure on the kids. Were you first in the lane? You know, uh, what lane were you in? Bah, 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 bah. And what happens is, you know, kids have all this pressure. They're going to get in the car. They're going to be interrogated by their parent. Why didn't you leave the lane? Why weren't you first? You know, and it's just a tremendous amount of stress on an athlete. Parents should just not worry themselves about those sort of things. And it's just a tremendous amount of pressure on the kids. And I, I can tell you it, you know, when you have a kid who's always pushing to be first and leaving early, I mean, it's things like that, that kind of etiquette is really hard to teach, to tell a kid, it's okay to be second in your lane. You don't have to be first. You could be third in the lane. You know what I mean? Not everybody can go first. I know as an age group coach, you have, you, everybody sees that problem where everybody wants to be first, you know, and, and kind of say, look, we're going to go 10 seconds apart. We're going to go 20 seconds apart. Just focus on and not what everybody else is doing. And I think, um, you know, for parents to focus more on, did you work on your technique today? You know, try to, try to be more encouraging on that. And it all goes hand in hand if the technique gets good. You know, so, you know, parents really should buy into, um, you know, finding places. If your program isn't providing technique, finding places to find technique and to, to, to supplement that because technique, I think, is the most important component in an athlete's growth. And for long-term success. There's no for long-term success. Uh, Carly, one of the things that we share in common, and I, and I know that we both have to get to practice here pretty soon, but <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, is enthusiasm. And I know that when you go to practice, it's the best part of your day. So tell these young coaches out there why it's so important to leave the baggage at home 
and show up to practice ready to rock, ready to get these kids excited about our sport? I really feel like um, that sometimes kids have had a bad day in school. Sometimes they have a terrible home life. I want when the children come to my practice to feel like it's a safe place for them to be. It's a happy place for them to be. And that it's a place where they feel safe. And that it, you have to, I, I've had so many terrible things happen to me in my life and you have to leave it home. You have to leave it at home. And it's really hard sometimes. And if you need a personal day, take it. You know, take it because it's not worth it. Uh, it if you're not feeling it and your kids are gonna notice it and um, it's not gonna be good. So um, one of the things like I work seven days a week, <laughs> um, it, I think it's really important that coaches have a day off. Um, I think it's really important that athletes have a day off. Um, and I think that as coaches, if you feel that you need a personal day, I mean, one of the, one of the, uh, when I went to the national coaches convention, they did talk about coaches and their health and their well-being, and um, just doing something aside from swimming, aside from the pool, and like I try to set boundaries and just say, listen, this is my time, all of your time that you have family time you know, and you have me time and then you have your swim time and trying to keep all those things separate. And it's super hard to do that. But I think if you need a day and you're not feeling well, don't, don't go. Don't, it's not worth it because that's when bad things happen. That's when, you know, you're not going to give it your best. And, and I feel that the swimmers, when they go to practice, like we play music and no matter how horrible, things have happened to me. I always try to go in and be happy and, and do the best. I'm not perfect. I've made my share of mistakes, but I want when my athletes come on my deck to know that this is a safe, happy place for them to be. And that maybe they didn't have a good day in school and maybe they had a crappy car ride. Maybe they had a fight with their, you know, that, but when they go to practice to be considerate to each other, for the athletes that could be considerate to each other. And also as a coach to know, maybe you didn't have such a good day and, you know, pull the athlete out and say, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? You know, try to really connect with the athletes and have fun. I mean, it should be fun. And um, when it stops being fun, you probably shouldn't do it. You know, I, that's um, the only thing I can tell you. If, if it stops being fun, if it's a chore, if you hate it going to work, then it's coaching age group swimming is not, not your thing, you know, and the kids know when you're happy and the kids know when you're not happy. You can't, you can't hide from the kids. So you have an obligation when you step on that deck, you have an obligation, no matter how crappy your day was to do the best that you could can for these children. And you just have to do it. And if you can't do it, take a day off or find another occupation. That's the best advice I can give you. Well, there's not many people in the world who can do it at the level that which you do it. And uh, I have been obviously in awe of your success, your passion for the sport, moreover, 
and your genuine care for athlete development. You've been a part of so many kids' lives. You've been coaching uh, since you finished your, your swimming days. And uh, Carly, there was no coach who was nicer to me as a young man just starting my career than you. You, you, know, you, you opened uh, your entire mentorship opportunity to me, and uh, I've learned so much. So I thank you so much for joining us today on Coach's Corner. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. And I'm going to have to get you back on because I'd love to do yeah. a, a drill video series with you where you go through all four strokes. And, oh, uh, it sounds like a plan. And, um, you know, and the other thing is parents, like I, I, I'm going to leave you with one thought. Um, I remember Billy, my son, Billy was at Providence. He called me in the car. My son, Chris, uh, who was coaching with me was next to me and I thought I did a good parent job you know I thought he did a really good job I got off the phone and my son Chris puts his arm coach and I was like wow you know so after that um, I stopped being a coach it's really super hard <laughs> to do that as a coach and uh, for me to find time off for my team to drive up to Providence to watch him swim, absolutely horrible, and to get back in the car because, you know, he's, he's not tapered or rested and to get in the car and just to tell him, you know, I, you know, did you try your best? Yes, I love watching you swim. I just started saying that to him. I just love watching you swim. Let's go to the creamery. Let's get some ice cream. Let's go out to dinner, drive back home, you know? And that was his junior year. And I let go of it, of all the responsibility. And I decided I was just going to be a mom. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. The stress level I had completely gone. I just let go and let his coach coach him. Billy was happier. I was happier. It was a healthier relationship. And Billy called me up and you know, and, and like complained or whatever. I said, well, what did your coach say? Just what did your coach say? You know, and just talk about something else. Because you either trust them or you don't trust them. But what happens is as children get successful, parents try to get more and more involved. And at the more they get involved, the more they interfere with that coach's relationship with the, with the athlete. And then you get all emotional and all worked up and you don't need to do that. You hired a coach to do that. Your job is to make sure your, your child is fed and to make sure that they're healthy and to make sure that they know that you love them regardless of how fast they, what lane they swim in, regardless if they leave the lane, you know, regardless of all these things. And if a coach corrects your child, it's not to be mean or hurtful or harmful. You know, we don't wake up in the morning and say, gee, we want to, you know, get into this. We are trying to teach them strategy. Not to ruin a culture of a practice. So they have to really look at those things. I think those things are really important if parents um, build more trust in, in the coach. Like we don't wake up one day and say, oh my God, I want to tell this person not to leave early 20 times today. You know, you could be Jesus Christ walking on water. If you leave early, I'm going to tell you. It's not 
personal. <laughs> you know, but, or if you're doing something wrong, kick it. The reason I'm telling you is because I want you to be a better swimmer. Not to hurt your feelings. Your parents pay me to make corrections. That's why I'm getting paid. I'm paid to make corrections and to teach you how to be a better swimmer. That's my job. That's why your parents sent them, you to me. If I just sit there and tell you you're wonderful all the time, when you're not wonderful, I'm not doing my job. So my job is to help you be better. You don't get upset. It's, it's not because I'm picking on you or making, trying to hurt your feelings or anything like that. I'm just trying to help you be better. And that's what your parents pay me for. And I think that's kind of what I've been doing a lot more of this year, especially because I have new swimmers on the team because they're not used to being corrected. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what your parents pay me to do. And, you know, just, does that make sense? Makes sense, Carly. And, and you are absolutely one of the best at making those corrections. And as I mentioned, it's a pleasure to know you and to learn from you. And I'm just so thankful that we were able to get you on. And I hope to do it again. And what I'd like to do is to pick a stroke and you and I just jump on for 25 minutes and we'll do little hitters. Oh, that'll be good. Let me know. I've got a good practice though. I'm All right. Like, hey, listen. I got New York City traffic I got to deal with. I know. And and I love how you put work works on your cap. That's You like the work works. Yes, I do. That's awesome. All right. All right. Take care, Michael. Have a great one. And I'll, I'll be sure to see you soon. Okay. Bye.